Talk to my friend Drew. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I to this guy for wisdom. And welcome to the Drew Allen Show. This is Drew Allen, your millennial minister of truth. You know, I tried to watch the news as best I could uh, over the past, well, you know, since the actual election day took place. Now, we know it wasn't an election day. You know, Arizona didn't finish counting votes. I mean, I laugh. It's not funny. It's not funny. It's just it's the absurdity to me. But, you know, they didn't finish counting votes until, what, yesterday? And they announced, you know, Kerry Lake was defeated. So, uh, you know, the, the, the Democrats are pounding their chest, celebrating again. So, we, you know, we've got to deal with this. You know, th th this may be a bit of a therapy session for some of you. Uh, but like I said, I'm trying to watch the new. And, and I, I just I cannot watch it because, you know, it's just endless pontification. Everyone has an opinion about why we lost this race and why we lost that race and why we didn't have this red tsunami. And finally, I just had to turn it off. I had to turn it off. And I'll tell you why. I had to turn it off because every single one of these pundits out there, in my opinion, has missed the entire point. Uh, it's Trump's fault. It's McConnell's fault. It's uh, it's the candidates fault. We had bad candidates. Look, and I, 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 I am not here to to try and, and be rude or or say I'm smarter than these people or to to, you know, be cruel in any way, because these are these are people that I admire, respect. I mean, look, I even heard Charlie Kirk uh, yesterday. It was maybe the day before uh, blaming the loss of six of these states on Lindsey Graham. Uh, and I'm sorry, I understand the, the, the fire inside all of us. You know, I, I saw Ted Cruz come out and, you know, he said essentially that he was just so angry. You know, I mean, he said it, you know, more eloquently than that. Uh, but it was quite the description to describe how angry he was, you know, that he had, you know, blood in his eyes, essentially, uh, at Mitch McConnell and the rhinos and they're not financing, for example, Blake Masters. And, and, and that, that's fine. I mean, get it all out. But, but my point is, none of it means anything. You, you, do you know why we lost any race? Because we didn't get enough votes. And it's the same thing on the Democrat side. And I don't mean to downplay. I don't mean to, to, to say that these issues didn't contribute in some way. But it is not this black and white situation. Uh, you know, that, 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 that Trump's responsible for every. I mean, look, you can point to races where Trump helped. You can point to races where Trump may have may have hurt. But, you know, if you listen to the media, you know, we, we should just give up altogether is what it sounds like to me. So I, I, I guess my question is, how do you blame uh, Trump or McConnell or, uh, you know, any of these individual factors for the cumulative results. And much of this, of course, you have to remember, is based on unrealistic expectations. Expect the Democrats had the home field advantage in the midterms. They did. They did. They were defending fewer seats than we were. But you know what? In 2024, it's a totally different ballgame. It's a totally different ballgame. We're going to be playing on our home turf in the sense that they're going to be on the defense. They're going to be defending, I think, two-thirds of the seats. I mean, this is the bloodbath that might be coming is 2024. And again, I'm not going to sit here and speculate. I'm not going to sit here and speculate about what's going to happen in 2024. We don't know. You know, Trump's got his big uh, announcement coming up. That's this evening. Today's Tuesday, I believe, right, Captain? Anyway, yeah. So, you know, that announcement's coming up, and we know what to expect. We know what to expect. He's going to... Uh, likely, at least this is what was expected prior to the last week or so, that he was going to announce his bid, I guess. You know, he's going to kind of seek uh, to be coronated there as the Republican candidate going into 2024. And look, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, I have I have spoken to many a people who, based on Trump coming out uh, in the manner and timing in which he did bashing DeSantis, uh, they're done with Trump. 
They're done with Trump. And I, I've had people tell me, look, I, I, I'm going to cover this uh, comprehensively. Look, I'm not, I'm not telling you what I think. I'm just, I'm just here to report what I know and what I hear and to, to try and cut through some of this, this mumbo jumbo out there to get a sense of what is useful, what is truthful, and to help keep us hopefully on track, on course, because the Democrats are busy playing mind games with us, trying to divide the Republican Party, eliminate the quote unquote MAGA movement, rid it from the party, and hand it over to Mitch McConnell. You know, Senator uh, Schumer, he went on TV, he's ready to, to shake hands and have a meeting with Mitch McConnell. And I'm sure Mitch McConnell's enthusiastic to do so. And, and what's, the, what's the demand this time? Republicans need to moderate. Republicans need to reach across the aisle and just make deals with the Democrats. You never hear this the other way, by the way, do you? I mean, when was the last time Republicans said, hey, you Democrats need to work with us? It doesn't happen. I am so sick and tired of this. But there's, there's a lot of history to get into today. This is an important episode. I, I want you to understand something, and I'll get into it more too. The, the, the MAGA movement, the MAGA, the MAGA movement is not one man. It's not Donald Trump. You know, who, you know what the MAGA movement is? The MAGA movement is you and me. It is tens of millions of Americans. And you can call it Reaganism. You know, you could call it the Tea Party. I mean, these are Americans who deeply love their country and unfortunately uh, pop their heads up every so often because things are getting so bad that they decide to get involved. But, you know, I think it's clear at this point that uh, saving the country is a 24-7 job. I mean, sure, you, 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 can, you can sleep, you know, and you have to be a workaholic like me. That's fine. You know, take care of your family. But, you know, this is a seven-day-a-week uh, affair. 365 days a year. It's not every two years. It's not every four years. And so again, I get back to the point. Who do you want to blame for this? You want to blame McConnell? You want to blame Trump for this? You want to blame uh, bad candidates? I mean, I, I just reject that, the, the bad candidate argument completely. I mean, isn't the problem that Fetterman was able to win at all? And yes, 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 yes. Look, I understand. I understand. I've talked about it, right? 500,000 votes were cast before the debate. They hid Fetterman like they hid Biden. Philadelphia, we saw electioneering. They did cheat. They did cheat. But I guess, I guess, again, not to downplay the fact that this happens because this needs to stop. This needs to stop the, 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 the voting a month and ahead of time, the counting votes six days after. But look, we got to be realistic too. We can't affect these voting laws in states that we don't control the legislatures and the governorships. Now, we took back the, governor, uh, the governor's office in Nevada, all right? Okay, maybe we can make some change there and fix this. But Arizona was a disgrace. And the problem with it, of course, is even if the results were true, who's going to believe it? You've got the Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, who's tasked with overseeing voting. And sure enough, you, you know, the, the vote tally in Arizona, you know how long it lasted? Just until she pulled ahead by about 20,000 votes, and then it was all done. I mean, I, I, I guess my issue is that, you know, even if I were a Democrat looking at this situation, the way voting took place in Arizona and other states, I would, I would just, I would hope, I would hope that I would look at the situation and I would look at what Republicans were saying and I would try to understand, you know, maybe I can, I can get in the mind of a Republican out there who uh, may be upset because every single time something goes wrong in elections... Every time something goes awry, every time, uh, you know, there's issues at the polls, it benefits the Democrats. Isn't that interesting how that works every single time? All right. But again, you know, here, how, how, did, how did Democrats win any election at all, right? I mean, you, you've, got, you've got the party that, that lied about Trump-Russia collusion. You've got a party that is responsible for inflation, has lied about it, has been out there showing no empathy or sympathy with the American people. Uh, Democrats don't care about the coup. Democrats don't care that they've been lied to. Democrats apparently don't care about, uh, you know, defunding the police and crime, right? I, I don't know, except they do because Mandela Barnes lost in Wisconsin. And so, look, it's normal to be going through this. It's normal to be asking these questions, trying to figure out what happened, examine it, to cast blame. The Democrats are doing it too, by the way. Now, you got to look under the surface to see them doing it, to see their trepidation, to see the true feelings of the Democratic Party, and they're not confident. It's a show. It's a show. 
They are pretending, feigning confidence because they've got a task ahead. They want to destroy the MAGA movement. They want to get rid of conservative Republicans, purge them from the Republican Party. And the best way to do that is what? To continue to, to, to tell this narrative that we are the problem and that we lost because of Trump or because of MAGA or whatever. That's not the case. That's nonsense. And, you know, I actually, you know, whatever, you can subscribe to my Substack, DrewAllen.Substack.com. But, you know, on the night of the, the, the election, even as Nevada results and uh, Arizona results weren't in, you know, one of the things that I said, and I, I've heard Dan Bongino say it too, but that night I wrote, I said, you know what, I, I got to be honest with you. The, the, unfortunately, things aren't bad enough for these people, for a lot of these people. And uh, well, do you know what the big takeaway was before I get into some of these clips? You know, um, they're saying, uh, well, single women, right? Single women are now the great secret sauce for the Democratic Party. That's right. That's right. Uh, step aside uh, the reliable black constituency who is now breaking uh, more and more for Republicans. You're going to be replaced by the single female American voter constituency, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, look, single women voted Democrat by 37 points. Is that big? Yeah. Whoop-dee-doo. Whoop-dee-doo. They, they've always been voting Democrat. I bet maybe they're up from 30 to 37, from 35 or 30. I don't know. But that, that look, you see, single women out there, single women, they are the perfect vessel for Democratic Party ideology. Uh, you know, these people think that they're strong, independent women, right? You know, anti-male hatred. But, you know, they turn this anti-male hatred into uh, anti-American hatred. And it's so funny because, you know, they don't need no man, but they sure do need the Democratic Party. And, and look, I, can we just have a realistic conversation? And look, if you're a single woman out there, you know, I know not all of you are in this category, but we know who we're talking about. These single women who voted Democrat by 37 points, there's a type. I'm sorry, there is, and we all know it. We've experienced it, you know. Don't open the door for me. I'm a woman. I can do it myself. Don't carry anything for me. I don't need you. Stay away from me. They're vengeful. You know, they're jealous. They're insecure. They're a bunch of feminazis. They've been around for a long time. A bunch of miserable people who've bought this, this lie from the Democratic Party. You know, that, that the only thing that can make a woman happy is staying away from men and just working hard. Working hard. And a lot of these people are pencil pushers for the government, by the way. I'm serious. I mean, you can look this up. This is true. A lot of these people are. But, you know, here they are searching for ha happiness where it will never be found. But, you know, this is the doing of the Democratic Party, too. So, my, my, you know, the Democratic Party is like this uh, uh, vertically integrated integrated corporation, right? You know, you have these antitrust laws. You know, you're not allowed to eliminate competition and collude and everything to, to give yourself some kind of advantage in, in the marketplace. But the Democrats do this. Why do you think you have, you know, a group of single women like this who are enthusiastic Democrat voters? Where, where do they get this ideology from out there that the nuclear family's bad and that, you know, you shouldn't want to be a mother I mean, I, that's the Democrat party. They create these voters. They create these groups. And my point is, we got to combat this. And obviously, the issues don't matter to these to these particular people. They're totally blind. Um, you know what? Go ahead and uh, queue up. Queue up cut one, Captain. This is, I want you to hear, this is Chuck Schumer. I don't remember the show. You'll see it in a minute if you're watching on video. But he was on TV. And I, and I want you to listen to him talk about the midterms. Because the issue is, uh, many on our side, apparently, what we seem to be just getting our talking points from Chuck Schumer. So, so go ahead and play uh, uh, cut one, Captain. Go. It's what is going to be different this time with the MAGA Republicans? Because you said, you said that before. Please work with us. Why is it different this time? Why it's do you different think this be time because they lost. They all expected to win. The red wave proved to be a red mirage. And one, if not the main reason, but one of the main reasons for sure, was that average American folks, even those in the middle, even those who tended to be Republican, said, I'm afraid of this MAGA. They're trying to ruin our democracy. It's not, if you look at the numbers, if you look at the results, House and Senate, 
The MAGA Republican way didn't work. The MAGA Republican candidates across the board, you just showed some of them, lost. Yeah. So if you're a good leader of a Republican party, you say continuing to follow them is a path to disaster. Just one uh, more follow. Nobody said, you know, everything he said there is untrue, frankly, but that's exactly what our side is busy conversing about. Republicans were afraid of, of MAGA. I mean, let me, let me see. I've got, if you look at the numbers, if you look at the results of the House and Senate, the MAGA Republican way didn't work. The MAGA Republican candidate across the board lost. If you're a good leader of the Republican Party, you say, <clears throat> continuing following them is a path to disaster. Now, no Republicans were afraid of MAGA. Uh, notice he doesn't talk about Florida. That's now off the table. And I'll play James Carville here in a second for you. He basically said, give up on Florida. It's done. How did that happen? How did that? How did we get Florida? I want to give you some statistics here real quick. If I can find them. Well, I'll do it in a minute. Okay. Uh, well, here's a couple examples. I went to Florida. You had all these flips, right? Republican uh, Anna Paulina Luna. She flipped a Democrat-held congressional seat. The seat that Charlie Crist had, right, who lost embarrassingly to Governor DeSantis in the 2022 midterm. Well, uh, that Republican candidate beat Eric Lynn by 8.6 points. Corey Mills, you know, another Republican, flipped uh, the 7th District, that seat. Got 58.5% of the vote. I mean, you can look across the landscape, New York even. You know, Lee Zeldin did not distance himself from Trump at all. And while he didn't win, we flipped four Democrat-held seats. That's huge. So Schumer doesn't know what he's talking about. No, no idea what he's talking about. And here's the important thing, too. You know, maybe some of you heard this, you know, the, uh, the goat out there now, uh, Mark Levin. You know, I think it was on his Sunday show. But, but he pointed out something that should have been pointed out early on, and maybe he did. I, I, I don't know, but certainly uh, the media was not trying to set our expectations realistically because uh, he points out, look, you know, there were 34 seats up for re-election in the Senate in the midterms. 20 of those seats were held by Republicans. So Republicans had to defend 20 seats. Democrats only had to defend 14. And that's why I'm talking about home field advantage. Now, guess what? In 2024, what happens? 33 seats are up. Two-thirds of them are Democrat seats. So the Democrats have to defend 23 Senate seats, and we only have to defend 10. That's a problem for Democrats going forward. That's a problem. Uh, you know what? Go ahead and queue up. Cut four. We're going out of order here, Captain. Sorry, but uh, I want you to hear James Carville. I want you to hear James Carville because there you got Schumer saying, you know, Dem you know, Republicans just seem to throw up our hands, abandon MAGA, we can't win, and we might as well just become Democrats and vote for Democrats, you know? But here's Carville. Go ahead and uh, cut four, go. And you got to understand, Louisiana is about 33% black total population. And it's very rare if we could get the black contribution to 33 uh that and that never happens or seldom happens we, we'd be in a lot better position the state that interest spot is mississippi which is like 37 mm -hmm. maybe 38 38 percent black it only votes 30. well if you got if you took your share from 30 to 38 uh, that's a lot of votes yep and, and we, you know we don't lose that bad in mississippi i, I think that, you know, it's not as many electoral votes, but I think Democrats might be better off looking harder at Mississippi than Florida. So Democrats would be better off investing their time and resources in Mississippi than Florida now. now. I mean, that's pretty stunning. Pretty stunning. And notice how he's obsessed with the black vote, right? They just can't seem to get enough black voters to vote for Democrats in a lot of these southern states. You know, this is the thing I really revile that, that, that makes me just disgusted with the Democratic Party. All of this breaking up the American citizens as, each, as, as if each of these little carved out constituencies has different needs. 
different needs as if we aren't all Americans. Here they are. You know, we got to go after the blacks better next time. You know, well, we got we got this single white woman. They're mad enough and angry enough and dumb enough now uh, and indoctrinated enough and miserable enough and married to us. You know, we don't need to worry about them. We got that. Uh, the Hispanic votes going over here. I mean, this is how they carve up the field. And look, maybe that's good politics. Maybe that's good politics, but it's not really uh, uh, in the spirit of America, certainly. And I would remind you that, you know, when the country was founded, we didn't have two political parties. We had no political parties. You know, and that was something that George Washington himself warned against. Because, you know, when you create these factions, well, they go about and carve out. And then they, self, they, they serve their own self-interest rather than the, than the American interest. And that's what's going on. It's about their power and not about what's good for you and me, the American people. But I think that's a pretty stunning admission for Carville. To say basically throwing the towel on Florida? I mean, just a couple years ago, that wasn't the case. So here's, here's some Florida numbers for you. So Miami-Dade County, right? That was a Democrat stronghold in Florida for a long, long time. Well, it went, it went, it went red. In 2020, Biden won that county, Miami-Dade, with 53.4% of the vote. And in 2018, Andrew Gillum, right? The Democrat gubernatorial candidate, well, he won Miami-Dade with 59.9% of the vote. Now, 2022 midterms, Marco Rubio won Miami-Dade County with 54% of the vote and DeSantis with 55%. How did that happen? You see, all of the looking to blame, all of the looking for excuses outlets for our rage and our disappointment. What we need to do is look at Florida. And that's what I'm going to do right now with you. Because there's a lesson here. Florida didn't become a bright red state just because a bunch of conservatives moved there from the rest of the country. That's not why. They're spread out. They're certainly not all in Miami-Dade County. I can tell you that right now. Democrats and other people who either didn't vote or voted Democrat in the past, they decided to vote for DeSantis. And this is the lesson. Conservative policies, freedom, right, that word, it works, but only when it's implemented, only when American citizens have the opportunity to experience it in their own lives. You know, Republicans spend so much time so much time just talking out of their rears about, oh, we need to do this and that and life might be better if you, but they never implement anything and they always cave. They always cave. And so the point is they never give American citizens a stark contrast to show them the difference. And that's what happened in Florida. Ron DeSantis doubled down, doubled down every time he did not cave to the left. He stood by his principles, and he didn't back down. And as a result, the citizens in Florida were the beneficiaries. So after DeSantis' leadership and the great difference they could observe between other states that didn't have a DeSantis leading the way and a Republican leader in charge that was principled and conservative, well, they could see. I don't want to go back to that. I like what I have here. And that's what we're up against. You know, most of these voters out there, they don't live in red states, right? And certainly from the federal government, it's much harder to measure it. Uh, and we really haven't had, I mean, look, I mean, we know what Trump did for the country. We know things were better under Trump. But, you know, a lot of these Democrat voters, I mean, I, whether fair or not, and believe me, it's certainly most all of it is unfair. They just... You know, the Democrats were successful in just ramping up that hatred. Didn't matter what Trump did. Didn't matter what the results were. They hate him, and they'll never vote for him. Um, and so, so, you know, my point is, we need to double down on conservatism. Now, look, I don't mean to pick on, on um, Charlie Kirk. I mean, wait, Charlie Kirk's, you know, a billion times, you know, bigger than I am. So it's, you know, and, and I'm not picking on Charlie. I respect and admire Charlie. But I just want to point something out that it's kind of a mistake, I think, we're making here. You know, and that that's Charlie 
Uh, and I think it was Jack Pasovic with him. I'm trying to find this quote. But, you know, basically, so I'll I just tell you. So they're looking to, to find fault in this. That's fine to dissect what happened because they love the country and they want to prevent, they, you know, they want to assure success in America. But they pointed to Lindsey Graham making a comment before the midterms in which he suggested that there be a, you know, federal abortion ban. And so their, I guess, uh, judgment is that based on Lindsey Graham coming out and revving up the abortion crowd with that particular uh, comment, well, that we lost six states. We lost six states. I mean, I guess I have two issues with this. And the, the, the first is, this, this goes back to what I kind of started out with. You know, w when was the last time that Republicans said, you Democrats need to work with us, right? It's always, you Republicans need to compromise. The Democrats are out there making the most radical claims on the planet. Uh, they want a federally subsidized abortion in all 50 states, and they want it up until birth. The most radical of radical policies out there. Uh, they want to seize guns. They talk about packing the Supreme Court. Any manner of things. I mean, gender mutilation. Geni the mutilation of genitalia for children. That's a party platform of Democrats. They support that. Releasing criminals onto the streets. That's a platform. And they just go out there and say this, and do they think to themselves for the most part, oh, this is going to cost us the midterm elections. No, now you see you know, uh, Barnes there in Wisconsin, I think it was, or whatever, trying to distance himself from previous comments he made, saying, for example, that, you know, I mean, basically supporting, you know, releasing criminals onto the street. Oh, no, 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 I'm just a middle-class guy, you know I mean? I, I, didn't, I didn't mean any of that. It's like, it's like John Federer. No, 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 I, I do not. I've never said I support uh, eliminating fracking and fossil fuels. And he got, he's got him on video saying it. So I understand they do this some. But my point is, here we are looking at this situation, right? And look, I know Charlie and, and, and myself as well. Like, look, I'm a pro-life guy. Now, I agree that Lindsey Graham's proposal kind of violates, uh, you know, what our initial support was for overturning Roe v. Wade. It should be a state's rights issue. And we should be fighting for the importance and the value of the life of the unborn, certainly. But basically, it's a concession that, you know, we can't win if we come out with our radical beliefs that are pro-life. So I, I guess my point is, we're kind of playing into the game now, are we not? If we're going to make that assessment, oh, you know, like the abortion issue killed us because, you know, Democrats in this country, you know, they, they were really not ready to vote. You know, there was nothing going for Joe Biden. Everyone says the country's moving in the wrong direction. But gosh, you know, we came out before midterms, and you know, Lindsey Graham said something about like, man, he he really would like to to ban abortions, and uh, we just can't have that out there because that's going to rile up. The, I mean, I guess my point is, we're acting like we're in the minority in this country every time we do this, every time we do this, and I don't believe we are in the minority in this country. As a matter of fact, I don't think that's true at all. I, I actually I think that it's amazing the success we have given everything we're up against. I mean, you had the Democrats lying about this Paul Pelosi story to try and further this narrative that MAGA Republicans are a bunch of violent extremists. By the way, what happened to Paul Pelosi? Has anyone checked in on him? Is he out of the hospital? I haven't gotten any updates. Not a, not a single word about Paul Pelosi. Have you noticed how he just vanished? It was the biggest story on the planet for a week, you know, before midterms. Midterms are over. Nobody cares about Paul Pelosi. Poor Paul Pelosi. Is his head okay? But my point is, they, they level. I mean, the, the student loan forgiveness, trying to buy votes before midterms. Where's that right now, by the way? Blocked in court. Oh, you poor suckers. And I mean that. 
I'm a millennial. I know who a lot of you are. I talked to you. You guys messaged me, you know? I said, you guys are a bunch of, uh, what did I say? I don't know. Somebody got mad at me for what I said. But <clears throat> look, I know who you are. And you are. You want me to pay your uh, college tuition? No, I paid my own. You pay yours. Or don't go to college or figure it out. I don't. And you're, you're whining about 10,000 bucks. 10,000 bucks. Pay it off in three or four or five years. I don't know. Stop, stop going out to parties and stop going out to dinner. Save your money. Prioritize. But don't come to me and say, oh, man, Drew, you need to pay for my bills because I made a stupid decision. That's the problem in America. And a lot of people are afraid to speak the way I'm speaking right now. And I'm not trying to be a mean guy, but people need to hear the truth. And I'm sick of sitting here getting bulldozed by a bunch of people who are less intelligent, less informed, less moral, and wrong. I'm done with it. And so, you know, th and this is where my point is. We've been silent for so long, so long. And what did we expect with these midterms also, by the way? We were just going to change everything and fix everything and all the problems were going to go away. Kumbaya, after the midterm elections, it's all going to be fixed and right in the world. After the Democrats have spent the last 70 years assaulting America, indoctrinating, you know, our children, taking over boardrooms, you know, uh, you know, classrooms. I mean, everywhere you look, the Democrats have infiltrated everything. Academia, I mean, this is the thing. And, and we really haven't pushed back, have we? And so to get back to the, the, the blame Lindsey Graham for abortion thing, I mean, look, I, I guess, you know, we might as well just vote for Democrats or get rid of the Republican Party if our philosophy going forward is going to be that, well, you know, our policy positions based in principle and Americanism and constitutionality and morality, well, those just aren't kosher in America anymore. So, you know, we need to become a little bit more pro-abortion. You know, we need to be a little bit more, um, you know, pro-mutilation of genitalia in our children. Like, let's meet them in the middle because, you know, obviously the country believes in that. Uh, they like inflation. Um, they like corruption. Uh, they like critical race theory. So we should all just probably adopt that, right? I mean, if, if that's what it takes to win elections, because obviously Lindsey Graham coming out and saying, uh, I think we should have a ban abortion at the federal level. Oh, it's over for us. Lindsey Graham just lost us six states with that comment. I mean, do you, do you see where I'm going with this? You know, we, we are constantly putting ourselves on the defense. On the defense. And we need to be on the offense. I'll make an analogy for you. Black Americans, from the beginning of our history, from slavery to Jim Crow to today. Now, blacks in America are still a minority, have always been a minority. They didn't have much power, right? Especially in politics. And after they were freed with the Emancipation Proclamation, you know, the Democrats replaced that with Jim Crow laws that segregated them and discriminated against them and tried to keep them separated from white society. And it was brutal. It was horrendous. And Democrats did it. But did the blacks at that point in American history sit here and say, well, you know, the majority of Americans, you know, they don't seem to really be on board with our demands for civil rights. You know, yeah, we want to vote and yeah, we'd like to be able to eat a cheeseburger at that, at that you know, restaurant over there. But, you know, maybe we need to, you know, moderate here, you know, because, you know, it's, it's just not popular yet. It's not popular. So we, we should just, we'll say, uh, do, do you see where I'm going with this? You, you have to, you have to do what is right. And I'm not saying there's not a political game to be played in certain states, but in general, in general, the problem in the Republican Party isn't that we're too conservative. Look what happened in Florida. My case in point. The problem in America is that we don't have a Republican Party that is conservative enough. It's watered down. It's watered down. You know what? Go ahead and, and get a uh, cut three ready, Captain. I, I want to hear you. I, wanna, I want you to hear Reagan. 
Because what Schumer's doing, what McConnell's doing, what's happening right now with this narrative is that they're trying to, once again, take back the Republican Party. And I'm going to get into Trump in a minute. He's going to give his speech. You know, I'll tell you what he should say. And I'll tell you some conversations I've had with some prominent people. And it's not looking good for Trump right now. I know that upsets you. I'm not telling you my opinion. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to try and give you a realistic pr perspective. But I go ahead and play, uh, play Reagan. This is, this is, this is because the MAGA movement is not Donald Trump, right? As I said. It's, it's us. It's always been here. We've always been here. And sometimes a leader comes along that we unite behind that seems to, 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 to capture, you know, the zeitgeist and speak for us in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that attracts our support and affection. But uh, the battle we face today is the same. We're here. Democrats are here. Same thing. Uh, go ahead and play cut three, Captain. We get into those definitions again of what is a conservative and what is a liberal. And some people, when you say the word conservative, automatically think you're talking about a monster who uh, eats his young. And uh, on the well, other... Let's talk about your kind of conservative. Well, all right. Uh, the... I think the, the reverse is true. If we get away from the labels and we get away from the definitions, I think the American people proved in 1972... Uh, in an election in which the issues were probably more clearly defined than they have ever been in history. I cannot recall an election where there was so little emphasis on individual personalities and so much emphasis on philosophies, two divergent philosophies. And the American people made it plain uh, that they want uh, limited government, less government, that they want uh, an extension of their freedoms, they want more local control, and they want less social tinkering than we have had over the last few decades. And from that standpoint, I don't believe the American people have changed. <clears throat> My friends, he said that in 1974. Is that not the exact same debate we're having today? And was Florida really, when it comes down to it, what, what, what differentiated Florida from the rest of the country, from blue states in particular? One word, freedom, freedom. Other states run by Democrats were being locked down. It was a state of tyranny. And DeSantis opened up and he became the poster child for the movement. Other states did, did things like this too. Other, other Republicans had decent leadership here and there, but Ron DeSantis really did lead that movement. And he did become the leader of it, the poster child. And that's the difference in Florida. I mean, COVID is what made him. The lockdowns are what made him. He gave Floridians freedom. Freedom. And that's what we all yearn today. Some don't realize it. Some think mistakenly that freedom is slavery. But that's the indoctrination. And so what we've got to do is deal with Mitch McConnell. We've got to deal with the rhinos. We've got to make sure that they are not in leadership positions. Now, you know, this is amazing. <clears throat> you know, in America, you know, we are not a direct democracy. We're a constitutional republic, right? So we vote and elect representatives to go to Congress to represent our needs, our desires to speak for us on our behalf. And unfortunately, this has really gotten drowned out because it's all just party. You know, the needs of even Republicans in Texas are different than maybe Republicans in North Carolina. But nonetheless, you know, it's all just, it's all national politics now. And Mitch McConnell has a 7% approval rating. Y you heard me correctly, 7%. And there are Republicans right now that we have elected or elected in the past, in the previous election, to represent us. And they are eager to reward Mitch McConnell, who has a 7% approval rating, with a leadership position again. Does that sound like a Congress? Does that sound like a Senate? Does that sound like representatives who are representing 
the will of we the people? Should that not continue on to those leadership positions? This is the thing. The majority of the Republican Party is conservative. But people like McConnell and the rhinos, they're against us. They oppose us. I want, I'm going to tell you something. They hate you. You think the Democrat Party hates you? Mitch McConnell hates you too. And this fight has been going on for a very, very long time within the Republican Party. Uh, you know, I, I wrote something a long time ago. It doesn't matter. Uh, about this very issue. And I just, I just want to point something out. Reagan was a, a champion, right? I mean, of conservatism. Obviously, he, he's one of the great presidents. He's somebody that, that certainly on the right that we look up to and admire. And he was wildly popular. Landslide victories, two-term president. Now, I want to read you uh, just a little snippet. This is in, from an article published in the New York Times on August 28th, 1983. And the title of the article is Party Moderates Plan Life After Reagan. And in this article, they argue that the rhinos of the 1980s, that they couldn't wait, just chomping at the bit to abandon the popular Reagan conservatism and embrace a new political agenda. So, you know, the rhinos have always been around. And in the 80s, one of these rhinos was the governor of Delaware, Pierre Dupont. Dupont. I know that sounds like uh, Mitt Romney's uh, code name on Twitter. What a Pierre Delectus. Anyway, but this is not Pierre Delectus. I'm not talking about Mitt Romney. I'm talking about the governor of Delaware, Pierre Dupont, the fourth, a rhino from the 80s. So he said, I quote, I think 1988 is going to be a real watershed year for the Republican Party. That's when we are going to see a generational change in the leadership of the party and a new political agenda. And Dupont he even predicted, he said, the Reagan agenda, controlling the size and cost of government, building military power and the rest of it, will have run its course when Reagan leaves office. Is this not the same problem we have today? I guess my point is, we've got the same problems we've always had in America. The same issues. Now, the stakes are higher. The left has moved more radically left. And that's why... It is incumbent upon us to really take control of the Republican Party and make it that which it needs to be, to form it. And here's the thing. Yeah, I'm a partisan, you know? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a constitutional conservative, and I'm, I'm very proud of that. But I want to point out a, a distinct difference between the Democrat Party and the Republican Party. What's the equivalent of a conservative in the Democrat Party? They don't have one. That's revealing. You see, the Republican Party, we've got conservatives, right? So I am looking to find politicians that are going to best reflect the needs of the country and fulfill their, their, their duty. Democrats don't have a competing ideology. You see, here's the thing. We conservatives, we shape the Republican Party, right? That's what we always do. We try to shape them. The Democratic Party shapes its voters, right? That's why the Democrat Party, who has no principle, they can go from abortion should be safe, legal, and rare to today. Federally funded, frequent, encouraged, and the Democrat voter doesn't push back. That's why they can come out and say, yes, we support the mutilation of children's genitalia, gender theory. This is absurd. It denies science. It's amoral. It's monstrous. And yet the Democrat voter, what do they do? They adopt that new position as their own. Yeah, maybe kids should be taught about their pronouns. Maybe, maybe they should be aware of what else and what their options are out there. The Republican Party can't do that to us because it creates conflict. It creates conflict. We push back and say, absolutely not, because we have principle. Conservatism supersedes the Republican Party. But the problem is the De Democratic Party's lost. And it's always been this way. It's just gotten worse. They're always the, 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 the best home for tyrants. 
And that's why, because the Democratic Party dictates to the voter. So they got robots. We, we aren't like that. We push back. Uh, you know, I just want to give you some perspective here about, um, you know, this election stuff. Look, I, <clears throat> so I was, I was telling you, the, the, the Democrats are painting a, a, a picture here, right? That's everything's wonderful for them. We lost. It's over. Give up Republicans. Just get McConnell. Become more moderate. Just shake our hand. Vote Democrat. Whatever. Seal your fate. Commit su you know, national political suicide. So I got to look off camera here because I've got uh, the article pulled up. This is from the Rolling Stone. Headline, after a Senate loss in Wisconsin, Democrats turn on each other. I thought this wasn't happening. I thought that the Democrats were just so confident in their victory. They were so victorious. Nothing went wrong for them. Joe Biden even told us after the midterms, he wasn't going to change a thing. He's going to double down on his lunacy. And now, I'm not sure I can solve inflation. Democrats voted for these people. Anyway. All right. In the weeks leading up to Election Day, this Rolling Stone article says, Mandela Barnes supporters felt frustrated. They believed in Barnes as the best Democrat to take on Senator Ron Johnson. An election forecast all but guaranteed a Johnson victory. That frustration gave way to fury. However, once the ballots were counted on Wednesday, Barnes lost to Johnson by a single point. So they talk about, you know, some encouraging things here that they, they you know, uh, did better, better than they thought in that race. But they go on and they say Barnes near miss has reopened intra-party wounds as Democrats lament the Senate seat that got away. At the root of it is a perennial question that follows high-profile losses. Was the candidate the wrong choice? Oh, my gosh. Now it's like our side, isn't it? It's like all of us. How did we lose this seat? So with Barnes, was the candidate the wrong choice? Or did he have insufficient resources to make his case? Insufficient resource. My gosh, McConnell did not fund Blake Masters. It is a problem, by the way. I'm not downplaying that. Mitch McConnell, get rid of the guy. But my point is... Same thing on the Democrat side. We're all sitting here playing chess, trying to figure out how to win things, okay? And so this myth that you've been told, this lie that Chuck Schumer's out there telling you, turn off the media, by the way. Turn off the media. Just listen to me. I will, I will keep you down the middle. Not middle. I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a radical, right, in terms of loving America. I'm a conservative. But in terms of keeping your sanity, turn off the media. They're not going to stop speculating. You know, today it's Lindsey Graham. Tomorrow, I don't know. It's, it's what somebody ate for dinner. You know, they, they, they threw things off. So anyway, I'm not going to go on with the article. I, I think I gave you the gist, you know, but they get into, you know, liberal sensibilities to criminal justice reform. Could that have been a problem? Look, we're all looking back. We're all trying to win races. You cannot point to one particular thing here and there. At the end of the day, we just need to push our message out there. We need to commit to our agenda. We need to commit to America. We need to find our soul, which is not Mitch McConnell, and it's not Mitt Romney, and it's not these rhinos. We need to get rid of them. But they're trying to get rid of us. And I, I swear to you, you know what I just heard? I, just, I think I saw this, and I, I don't know. Maybe, look this up yourself. This is just from the, the, the bowels of my brain here, all this information I take in every day. But there are actually Republicans... In Congress, and I don't know if it was the House, I think it was somebody in the House, that was saying that even if they're in the majority, and it looks like we're going to be in the majority in the House, by the way, we're one seat away. Even if we're a majority, if the Republicans don't nominate a moderate, Republicans are willing to vote for a Democrat. Do you understand the problem in our party? This is insane. And you know what? You're seeing it right now. These politicians. I, Mike Pence. Mike Pence. I'm so frustrated and done with Mike Pence. He's, I, I don't know what day he's going on. It's coming up soon. But you look, you know, if you want to find a vampire, it's in politics. And they're out to suck blood right now. Donald Trump. Look, I don't blame him for what happened in the, in, in the midterms. Absolutely not. He's not responsible. And frankly, all the things people are complaining about with Donald Trump, they happened after the midterms. 
right? Him kind of knocking DeSantis. That was not influential. And frankly, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We have no hope as a country if Donald Trump, you know, uh, campaigning for candidates, <clears throat> we, we can't win an election because uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I mean, you got Fetter. I mean, how does anybody vote for Fetterman? There should be no cause in the world that could get anybody to vote for Fetterman. But uh, anyway. So, okay, let me just let me just level with you. I've got people I've talked to. Some prominent. People in the know, if you will. People you've heard of. And they're murmuring, uh, they're done with Trump. They're done with Trump. They're ready to turn their back on Trump after uh, what happened. And... Obviously, you've got people who hate Trump, both on the Republican side and the Democrat side that want Trump out of the party. They still view him as a threat. This is my only pushback with these people. Look, Trump may very well not be the right candidate. He may not be able to win an election in 2024, but that's a little ways away. But the fact that Democrats want to destroy him so bad and keep attacking him tells me that they're not so confident that they can beat him. But nonetheless... Trump is a wounded animal right now. And and look, I mean, I you've got to look beyond your own feelings. You've got to kind of get the pulse of the nation out there. And there are many people who are sitting here that are diehard Trump. They have no problem at all. But I, I'll tell you what, you know, when, when Candace Owens came out a week ago or something like that and started kind of, you know, bashing Trump a little bit, talking about a personal experience, encounter she had, interaction, and she was questioning what type of person he was. For a minute, you know, I sat there and I actually, I, I thought, come on, Candace, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? But then Trump comes out and there's no reason to be bashing DeSantis right now. It's just, it, it shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be happening. Now, a lot of the things he said, does he have justification? At, for, sure, I'm sure he does. But you, you, know, you, you just can't do it. And, and you can't make this all about you. You can't make it all about you. And look, the only person who could ever destroy the bond between Trump and his voters is Trump himself. He's the only one he can do. He, he, he can only destroy himself. The media didn't create him. They can't destroy him. They've tried. And this is worrisome. So, you know, in the speech, you know, I really do hope he comes out and pivots. I mean, I expect him to to announce his uh, intention to run for president. <clears throat> this, is the, this is the thing with politics, right? How fickle it is. And why you can't make these predictions. And why you've got to wait. Things change so fast. A couple months ago, when the FBI raided his Mar-a-Lago home, he could have announced his candidacy that day. And every one of these people I'm talking to who are now Never Trumpers, it seems like. They would have jumped on that bandwagon as fast as they could because we looked at what was happening to him and we said, enough, we've got your back, we're sick of this crap. And he didn't have to ask us to do that. That happened because we still respected what he's been through, how he fought for us, what he did for the country. And we came to his defense. But, you know, he cannot, and look, I, I'm, not, I'm not coming out and saying I'm for, I'm against, whatever, okay? That, I'm, just, I'm just trying to, to weigh both sides here. I'm just telling you. You know, this has to be about the country and the party. Country first. And nobody's thinking that way. They're all thinking about themselves, including Pence. I got to find this real quick. Hang tight. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Pence, so he's, he's going on with Jake Ta Tapper to trash Trump and appeal to Democrats. And whenever you see a Republican presidential hopeful go on CNN or one of these drive-by media network sources, get rid of them. I'm, I'm, Pence can't find any love from Republicans, so he's going to get Democrats to kiss his ass. And look, I understand politics is vicious, and he smells blood. Conveniently, this interview, of course, is happening after midterms, just as Trump's going to probably announce his candidacy. And look, I don't have a problem with Pence having presidential ambitions. That's fine. That's fine. But you don't go like a savage and try and uh, 
kill Trump while he's down. And that's what's happening here. Pence sees an opportunity to dump on Trump. All these people, they, they see Trump as the biggest um, obstacle to their presidential ambitions. And so these people are now colluding, working together to try and get rid of Trump. And is Pence helping the Republican Party by doing this, by going on Jake Tapper's show and dumping on Trump, talking about private conversations he had? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I'm sorry. Maybe Mike Pence is a decent guy. Maybe he's a nice guy. I, I don't know. I don't know. But to me, I don't care how many times he goes to church. I don't care how sanctimonious he presents himself as. I don't care if he won't go to dinner without his wife in his presence, you know, when there's another woman there. That's all fine. But this type of behavior, this type of just, I mean, he's a shark. He, sp he smells blood in the water and he's going in for the kill. And I, and I just, I'm not on board with this type of thing. You know, look, I, I sit here, I, I have criticisms. I have things to say. But, I mean, what's the intention behind Pence doing this? Is he, is he going to speak to CNN to do something of benefit to the Republican Party, to talk about the midterms, to talk about how we need to save our country? No. And he knows CNN's not friendly. They'll turn on him. It, you know, and this is the thing, too. Remember this. Remember this. No matter who is the Republican nominee in 2024, they're going to be destroyed, destroyed by the left. The media is going to pile on and it's going to be uglier than you've ever seen before. Mark my words. That's a fact. And they're already doing it. They're already doing it with DeSantis. They're basically calling him like a more polished Hitler. You know, <laughs> a shorter, more polished Hitler. So my point is it's coming. So if you think that selecting a candidate because it's going to save you, you know, discomfort out there in the, in the world when 2024 comes around and the attacks ramp up and you just want to go have a smoothie without some Democrat, you know, punching you in the back of the head, that's not going to happen. It's not, it's not going to happen. It doesn't matter who it is, is my point. And so our focus needs to be on just getting the best candidate we, we can and who we think can win. And if it's Trump, fine. But right, I mean, I'm telling you right now, if, if the election was held tomorrow, Trump could win. That, 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 that's my opinion. Now, things can change, like I said, rapidly. Rapidly. And they will before 2022, before 2024. But I just, I, I don't want to see this. You know, I don't want to see this. <clears throat> and this is the problem, whether, whether it's, you know, I mean, well, all the rhinos, Liz Cheney's and all that sort of stuff. I mean, dumping on, on Kerry Lake. And I mean, these people don't have the best interest of the country. And these people go to CNN, they go to that news because they just want to be loved. They just want to be loved. They don't want to do the right thing. So that, to heck with that. You know, I didn't have time to get into a lot of this stuff. I, I was going to tell you about the uh, FTX story. I, I didn't lead with it because I don't actually care. You know why I don't care? Because it's not surprising to me. Um, the speculation that has been proven is that, you know, this kid who, who he's, look, he's like pajama boy. I mean, he's a quintessential Democrat. I mean, he's, uh, he's, 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 he's got messy hair. I mean, he looks like he, 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 he doesn't know. Um, I, I don't know. How do, how do I describe these people? Well, somebody who's living in his mom's basement. That's what these people all look like to me. But, you know, this guy, I mean, he set up a Ponzi scheme and, you know, he got all these celebrities on board. And he was a Democrat activist. And whether that money that we, I mean, look, that is an outrage if that happened. It should be investigated. But what he did was he set up this, this, uh, well, let me see. Let me, let me find this so I get the verbiage right. Maybe there's some nerds out there that are going to check me on this. So Sam Bankman freed. Right. So, I mean, this is a guy who was on Forbes magazine back in October of 2021. I, you know, this is like BLM. Just a complete fraud. And, and this is amazing to me about Democrats. You guys fall for this all the time. And you don't care. You don't care. BLM swindles you, get your money, and they buy million-dollar mansions. This guy's got his house in the Bahamas on sale for $40 million. $40 million. And you know what? He starts this company, this crypto crap. And, and he has some fancy name for his philosophy. 
He called it effective altruism. And this is the big lie that you Democrats fall for every time. Effective altruism is like, well, the only reason I'm starting this business and I'm making a ton of money is so that I have enough money and so much money so I can give it back to alt. It's not for me. It's not for, I just, I just need a lot of money so I can give it back to other causes. Meanwhile, I live in a $40 million house in the Bahamas. So anyway, give me a break. $40 million penthouse. So anyway, what happened was, you know, he has this Ponzi scheme set up. He goes to Ukraine. And basically, he sets up this, this system in which, uh, you know, Ukraine can convert, you know, this cryptocurrency into money to fund the war or whatever else. People could donate to it and everything else. Here's the thing. The guy donated, I think, $60 million, $40 million, whatever, a lot of money. Forty or sixty million dollars, second biggest donor to the Democratic Party after I think Soros, and that money was stolen from people. So this guy didn't have the money. He met with the White House like three or four times, by the way. So I'd love to know what happened in those meetings. I mean, the 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 the, the corrupt Democrat Party, the bureaucracy there turned their turned a blind eye to what he was doing. People now are looking at this and saying, "How did people not catch this? It's so obvious." But, you know, it benefited the Democratic Party. So here you go. You have a Ponzi scheme, 40 million poured into the coffers of Democrats or whatever for these midterm elections. And maybe he'll go to prison, but are they going to give that money back? It's done. It's done. All right. Um, you know, uh, to end here, I just want you to know that, that, that Joe Biden went to China to meet with Xi and they didn't talk about the pandemic. They didn't talk about the pandemic. Uh, but he was there with his buddy, Justin Trudeau. And, um, you know, his uh, his granddaughter, grand, granddaughter is getting married at the White House. But that's coming up, I think, on Friday. So get ready for that. Maybe he got a, a gift from Xi to give his granddaughter, uh, who's going to be married at the People's House, the White House. All right. Hey, hang in there, everybody. Hang in there, everybody. We're okay. We got a fight ahead of us. Um, it's not all doom and gloom. And, um, and, and just, just take heart, you know, things, things are on the up and up. I promise you, I promise you. And I'm, I'm here, I'm fighting. You're all, we're all fighting together and we'll get through this. All right. God bless you all. This is Drew Allen. And until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew, Drew Allen. Has Drew died Allen. Hard conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.